Hey, Real Talk listeners, it's Lucas here. Today on the podcast, we had Jason Heemskirk. Jason has been involved with education for about 20 years now, both as a teacher and a principal and a coordinator at the Canadian Reform School League, and now finally in his current position as principal at Gita de Bray Christian High School here in Hamilton. Um, we talked with Jason about education at large, Christian education, reformed education, the differences between all of those topics. And then we got a little more specific and talked about school structure and how that uh, is built up, the role of parents, and then also the role of the student body and who um, who is allowed in the school and who is not. So it was a really uh, great eye-opening conversation we found. We hope you enjoy it. Please send us your feedback. As always, we'll put the uh, info in the description and our social media. So without further ado, here is Jason Heemskirk. Hey, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Good to have you here for our first recorded podcast of Real Talk. So, mm-hmm. um, thought we'd just jump right in, um, talking about Christian education today. Um, thought we would talk about, maybe kind of define some of the the concepts around Christian education before we, you know, start talking about Christian education, like, you know, our reformed education and, and the education um, system that kind of surrounds our community. Um so I thought we'd start like broader if we can, like say start whatever you like. Say philosophical depth. Hmm. No. Well, uh, you could try. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'll get there. Okay. So um, we've been we've been talking a lot about um, Christian education and and you know when the time comes for you know us we're pretty young but when the time comes for us to send our kids to a, a Christian school um, or to a school why would we choose? Um, Christian education as opposed to uh, non-Christian education um, based, non-Christian based education. Um, so I kind of started it with, with a little bit of research and, and kind of came across this, uh, the phrase liberal arts. I don't know how familiar that phrase in particular is around education. What do you mean by it? Like if you so, say liberal arts, what do you? Yeah. So liberal arts, like um, it liberal kind of comes from the Latin to um, uh, the Latin word for free, which is like basically essentially that, that phrase would mean something like um, how do we educate our kids so that they can be the freest um, versions of themselves, I guess. I Maybe that's a very uh, modernistic way of, of saying it or something. But uh, um, so I, I guess that kind of more encapsulates the, the academic fields as opposed to like vocational or, or the, um, like professional fields. Um, so I don't know if, how, how, um, familiar you are with that and like the history behind. Well, if you, if you're looking at the, at, you know, education, I don't know. I don't think I've ever really thought about it as a liberal arts education, but I think I know what you mean in that sense that, um, the reason why we educate our children is so that they can make, informed decisions about what they do with their lives versus a vocational school, uh, which, you know, if you go back in history, you, you were expected to do what your father did, right? right? So your father was a cobbler, you would become a cobbler and you'd have no shoes. Uh, your father was a minister, you'd just be off the deep end. Um, your father, <laughs> sorry. A veiled reference. <laughs> <laughs> no, your father was a teacher, you become a teacher. That and, and kind of that's the way it went. But then as time went on with the Industrial Revolution and um, 
more, there were less opportunities, I think, in some ways on the farms and in the vocations because there were fewer vocations. Uh, so people right. looked at, at education and said, okay, in order to, you know, for our children to flourish, they need to, to learn certain things. They need to be a certain place. They need to, to um, you know, pick up as much as they can. And so you start, do, you start teaching things like maths and languages and sciences and you know, history and, and those types of things. If that's, right. and, and that could be a very, you know, people who know exactly how to define liberal arts education will say, no, that's totally wrong. That's okay. That's how we need to <laughs> right. come to some sort of consensus here. I think, that, talking about. I think that kind of satisfies that. I've, I, yeah, like it's, it's more like the, the academic fields, you know, biology, you know, sociology, you know, philosophy. It, it kind of encapsulates all those things, but that aren't, say, directly related to a, a role at a business or a, or some kind of vocation, I guess. So yeah. I think, so that, that kind of idea is something that, um, I don't think we always think about like that's what we're doing for our kids is, is giving them a really wide um, depth of knowledge that's not you know specifically targeted right um, whereas yeah what you said like if you were a farmer you would teach a kid to farm you wouldn't teach a kid math about the farming you would teach him right because he'd figure that out he would figure it out while he was yeah. doing and he wouldn't that. need to read because right like those are the types of things where where and it's so i think reason why we don't talk about liberal arts education so much anymore is because there are very few schools where it's not done inside that format, right? There's, right. There are very few vocational schools until you are finished with your, your, you know, your elementary and your secondary school, and even your your post secondary school before you really kind of dive into an apprenticeship or, or some sort of vocation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I think it's just so entrenched in in our Western society that that's kind of where it came from historically that we yeah. just don't even think about it. No. But. But yeah, now that now that I was thinking about it, I thought, well, that's kind of interesting that that we're not actually just teaching our kids to go out and, and make money doing something. We're teaching them to be really good versions of themselves and and you know in all sorts of different you know avenues. Maybe that's why it's so hard to find you know something to do once you get out of there. But uh, <laughs> well, maybe that's a, a whole other discussion. So yeah, um, don't study history. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, that's that's so your that's yeah. your background. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, I know it's very valuable. Then you turn it to you. So. Yeah, like I said, don't study history. Um, you know, going through it, I knew that there was nothing practical I could do with it. And then I finished it and realized there's practically nothing I can do with it. Um, and so here I am today, uh, having used it very well. Just a wealth of knowledge, years. though. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Right. So I guess let's, let's get like, let's get from just the education that, you know, the understanding of what education is. And then like, let's kind of apply like a Christian you know, what is, what does it mean to be Christian? So I kind of came across, um, some, I don't know if you would know his name. Um, I think it was, oh, shucks. Um, he had a crazy name. Let me just look it up. Cause it, it's amazing. Um, he basically said Rush Dooney. That was his name. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. He's some old guy who he's, I think he was out of New York somewhere, but he, he is kind of a philosopher that worked around the, the, um, idea of education and, and what education was all about. And he kind of, I think he kind of spearheaded the, you know, same modern style of homeschooling. So, uh, regardless, he said, um, that all education is religious. Um, and to think that like a public education isn't teaching religion is, is something that's false. And I kind of dove into that a bit and, and it seemed like if you were going to analyze a culture to see what they believed, 
the education system would be one of the first places that, you know, would shine forth what, what the culture is teaching is true. And so if we start there, I think we get, you know, to a point where we really see the value of Christian education as opposed to um, taking a secular curriculum in the, in an educational format and then applying, he said, sprinkling holy water on it. So applying a, a, say a Christian lens. So I don't know if you, if you could speak to, to this idea of like, how do you get to applying Christianity into teaching your kids? I think it's, it's not that much different than what you're doing at the house, like in, in your home. Um, you can, you know, you have your, your, um, go back and play soccer with your kids and you know as a dad especially as your kids get older uh, you come to the realization that they're faster stronger um, they can run a whole lot farther um, and so instead of you know either giving up or, or getting better you just start hitting them a little harder right, right. Yeah, for sure <laughs> i still weigh on my 100 pounds so oh, he's go. not getting by me um, so then what you do is you actually you know you're teaching your kids that you know strength you know might is and, and wait, you can start doing that it's, it's, as long as you're, you can start bending the, the, the rules of, of kindness and compassion and fair play. Uh, if you're going to, you know, when you're feeling stressed or you, those little things, that's, that's what, um, some people would call like the hidden curriculum, the, the, the stuff that kind of happens in the background. Uh, and that's, that's where the culture of a school, the culture of a home, um, really comes into place is those things that you teach your kids, um, without ever knowing that you're actually teaching it to them. And, it, and they couldn't, they probably wouldn't be able to tell you, oh, you know, dad, you taught me this. Not until years later where they start to actually self-reflect why they do the things that they do. And they're like, oh yeah, this, I'm just like my dad. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but, no. it, you know, it's, that it's, depends. well, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember the, the, you know, there's, I, I love to remember the times where I win arguments with my father. Uh, they don't happen very often. Uh, but there was one time where I lost spectacularly. Uh, and it's something that's actually stuck with me for, for a long, long time. It's, I wanted to do something. I, I can't remember what, go to a concert. I, I, I don't know, something I wanted to do. And my dad said, no, you're not going to do that. And he looked at me and he says, I said, no. I said, yeah, but dad, you did it when you were a kid. And he looked at me and he goes, this is the proudest moment of my life. And already my antenna is going up. I'm like, oh man, oh, what's going on here? I'm, I know I've yes. just stumbled on something. He says, yeah. That's because he so, smiled, right? I'm <laughs> so proud of you. I'm like, okay, why? He says, because you want to grow up to be just like me. Yeah, yeah, that's... And of course, when you're 18, last thing you yeah, want to do, yeah. that's grow you. up to be just <laughs> no like my dad. Yeah. So like, okay, I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, then you are your dad. Oh, and, uh, that's right. So, so those are the types of things that you... That, you know, those, those, he didn't go out to teach me, um, you know, anything really. He wasn't, it wasn't implicit. It just, it was this conversation that was happening. It was on the fly. Uh, but it is one of those things that stuck with me from that moment to now. And I love to tell that story uh, because it, it does, you know, illustrate when we, when we think about our kids and we think about the things that we let them do and, um, if we say, okay, well, this is what I did when I was a kid, so you know they should be allowed to, or, or this is what I did when I was a kid, there's no way they're doing that. Uh, all those decisions have an impact on kind of the culture of the home and the, and, and the upbringing and, and you know, how the Lord leads them on their path of life and who they, who they become as, as um, 
people. Right, right. So how how does it like? We talk about Christian education, but say you say you have a system where that's being taught. How how much different in your mind is is the you know say the subject of Bible or the teaching of you know reformed religion or the teaching of you know what we believe and and say that's uniform and and say that's a perfect view in in the community um how how different is that than just having education that's christian like what you're describing like it's it's subtle but it's it's there um what what kind of impact do both of them have like well i think if i if i understand what you're asking and that's that's that whole idea of of like putting like a, a Christian glaze on it. So we're going to do, you know, math's the one that everybody drives, you know, everybody picks up all the time and says, you know, how do you teach math Christianly? Um, and, you know, so you, you have your math lesson about, um, you know, sine and cosine. And then at the end you say, oh yeah, and you should look up, uh, you know, John 3 verse 13 because there's two prime numbers in there. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, you can say, well, right. yeah, I've referenced the Bible. It's, you know, it's, it's now a Christian lesson. Of course, anybody that's thought seriously about educating their children you know in the fear of the lord knows that that's not that's not enough then it becomes hokey it becomes right um but there but the, there are some real challenges in some of those subjects um where you know how do you how do you not strain it how do you not make it um hokey how do you not make it like a like, and so you can teach it, it i always we always talk about um someone talked about uh you know uh, chocolate chips cookie versus uh, banana bread right that that was and it, that's not me that was i can't remember who it was because i'm terrible with that but someone made that reference um and said you know so what you're talking about the glaze is like the chocolate chips so you sprinkle it in there so, but actually what we need to do as a as as reformed christian teachers or you know christian teachers anywhere if you want to do it well you have to make it like banana bread. You can't see the bananas. Right. Just bake mm-hmm. it in. You yeah. just bake it in, and it's yeah. and so how do you do that as a as a teacher? You need to do that consciously. Uh, yes, it is interesting. You, you can say, well, I you know I am a Christian, therefore my Christian values will come out, um, and right. they do. They do, but if you want to do it well, then you actually need to consciously think about it, and then after. You've done that. You've done that a number of times. Then it becomes more, much more natural. But right, that's at the, a, that's at a time, you know, if you're, you know, you got this water glass here, and if I'm going to teach you about filling, you know, a water glass by pouring one thing to the other, then I'm really going to focus on, you know, you pick up the cup and you tip the water and you pour it into the glass and, and, you know, then you put it down, you wipe the spill, um, and that's I'm really concentrating on going through the motions. Now, if I wanted to use that as a, as, as a metaphor, you know, we have a hot cup that's half full and we have a cup that's not half full. Um, then you have to, you have to plan that out. I can't do that on the fly. Uh, give me five minutes. I'd be able to probably, you know, do some neat met- little metaphor, but unless you're going to consciously do that, then it doesn't really make, it doesn't make a good, you know, infused lesson. Right. So teachers are more interested in the content than they are, but the, the context, uh, and that also comes with, with years of experience, the more comfortable you are with your content, the much more naturally you can flow into, you know, the, the different aspects of it uh, and what that looks like. Because it's not, the other thing is, it's not always the what, but the, but the how you teach that becomes important. Because you can teach, there's also a, a way of, you know, you talk about Christian content, that's, that's one part of teaching Christianly, but it's also 
and I think probably the more important part is the how you teach it that becomes Christian. Uh, are you patient? Are you kind? Are you, you know, are you loving of of your the the children you have in front of you and, and of your subject matter? Are you uh, professional about it, right? Which which means that you you're selfless and you're you know, you're skilled and you have um, this this willingness to to kind of give of yourself, right? right, right. Those are all that's the hidden stuff. That's the the stuff that shows the the students and the parents and the you know former everybody that you you care about the work that you're doing. And that's just as important in a Christian school, in any school. It doesn't have to be a Christian school. In any school, that's the, the key of... Right. So it's more about the methods that the teachers use as they teach the subject matter. Like, as opposed to, like, like I mean, obviously, in a religious class, like, like Bible class, that's very obvious, right, compared to math. Um, but it's not necessarily an infused thing throughout, like, the, the curriculum or anything. Like I'm just trying to like get more specific with what you're saying. Like that that makes a lot of sense, but if you want to be conscious about how you practice teaching in a Christian manner, is it um, just teaching with these principles that come out of Christianity, like you mentioned, just uh, to be professional, to be kind, and caring for your students, or is there more in the actual uh, substantive part of of like what you're actually teaching? Yeah, so I would have a hard time, for instance, teaching in a in a school. Uh, where they told me I had to divorce my faith from mm-hmm. my content, um, because I think it's in order to do it well, you have to you will infuse it all. If you're actually infusing it, it's you know your 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 faith in the Lord um, will come out. Uh, my biggest joy, I guess, was you know teaching um, church history, which is which is interesting um, because I've I've in university I I actually took a um, Reformation uh, course at Brock University, so very secular, and the, it was fascinating to listen to the Reformation, like everything with Martin Luther and everything that was happening in the in the in the um, Germanic states. Uh, and it was it, he basically explained the whole Reformation through economics, because it was good economics to, to you know lose the church, and and this is a new system set up, and and it really does make a whole lot of sense. So the topic. And he was he was an excellent prof, like right on the on the mm-hmm. money. He knew all his stuff. He could really convey it well. So, in that sense, he really showed um, that you know he was Anglican. Uh, talked you know he talked about his 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 faith um, uh, off the lectern, but he did not infuse his his belief in God and his belief that the Lord controls uh, things. And there, there's you know there's a providential care there um, into his content. His content was all based off. Basically, it was it was it was all economics. He showed how, you know, if it wasn't for the economics of the time, the Reformation would never have taken off. Right. Hmm. Whereas we would have looked at it and said, you know, see how the Lord used the economics of the time to promote the cause of of Reformation. Right. It's just a completely different way of looking at. It. Yeah. So was he was you think he was told not to say that, or or do you think that it just uh, I don't think so. This guy would say anything. Like he, right. he's a tenured prof. That's the, the beautiful thing about tenured profs, you know, especially yeah. the older ones. <laughs> they have that they, freedom. They have that freedom, yeah. right? They can, they can uh, say that. No, it just I think it never, I think it never really occurred to him. Would, uh, he, would he have thought of it as more of a neutral way of teaching? You said he was Anglican, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but he so. Um, I don't think so. I don't because it wasn't it wasn't neutral. It was explaining it all through economics. Like it was it was very right. purposeful. Um, 
and it was something that uh, that um, yeah, I you have to ask him. Like, I don't know. Yeah, sure, sure. But if he, could, right. if he could flick a switch and then just teach the whole course differently, that's so. Yeah. That's something like if we were to say, you know, if you had a scenario where you brought him into our school and said, okay, now you have to teach this this class that you took as you know from a from Christianly yeah. Christian perspective. Yeah, yeah. If you know, I mean, that's probably he's probably a good prof if he's tenured. So, <laughs> I mean, he could probably just switch it and just say, okay, now I'm going to teach it from a, you know, this is how the Reformation. And yeah. I guess if we do that consciously in a Christian context, I think that's kind of goes back to your questions. Like, yeah, well, is it, is it the content that you turn Christian, or is it, or you put a Christian um, lens on it, say, or or is it like, yeah, I mean, the subtle things that you were describing that's like, well, it, it's you know, yeah, it's more like like okay, I want to get at it. Okay, so in the method of your teaching, right, the Christian principles come through, and then in the content, um, you can like th- this example you listed, you can. Um, show the impact of God and his providence over um, the acts that went, took place during the Reformation. Um, is there a neutral way to teach that? Or is it kind of just like, it's it's like a Christian way to teach that and a non-Christian way to teach that? And there is no neutrality in the middle. I don't think, I don't think we as, as thinking humans can be neutral. Yeah. And that's kind of what this guy like mentioned off the top was saying. He's like, right. you're, it's religious regardless. It's it's right. you're either you're either Christian, you're you're well, you're some form of religion or you're, you know, humanist or you're you know, you right. come at it with a lens on your that you can't not. And that was that was yeah. one of the points he made that essentially you just perhaps it, you're teaching could, something anyway. I mean, perhaps you could you'd really have to work at it though. Like you you, mm-hmm. you would have to you'd have to strip all the life out of it. I mean, like the difference between um you know, if you think about, I don't know, I made a famous speech, you know, Martin Luther King, uh, let's say, you know, that's, you know, one of these, it's, it's, the speech is not famous because um, of what it said as much as how it's said and how it's delivered and the passion and the life and the, mm-hmm. and the values that, that, that came behind it. If you were to strip that all down and just give point firm little blurbs, it's not really that. Loses its meaning. It loses it. It's, it's, it's kind it's, of repetitive well, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's, and it's, it just loses its it's life. Yeah. And I think that when you have, if you try try and strip down your, your academic content or even your, um, any type of content you're trying to teach from the, the, the life of the students and the life of the teacher that's teaching it, uh, it's not going to be very successful. It's going to yeah. be kind of lifeless and dull. Uh, and that's why, you know, if you think about the, you know, any type of educational system that says, you know, we, we, you know, divorce faith from what we teach or we don't teach from, you know, we teach from neutral ground, uh, that if you're a good teacher, then you don't do that. You know, maybe mm-hmm. your neutral ground is going to be your love for students and your, your view of students, but that, that in itself is going to impact how you teach. Uh, maybe you're going to be, you know, you're, 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 it's love for subject matter. That's why I teach, you know, if you're, if you're teaching chemistry at the, at the, you know, senior high school, you, you love chemistry. Mm-hmm. Well, that love, for chemistry is going to come through uh, your teaching, and it's it, that in itself is a is a worldview. It's 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 its own state of of being. It's not neutral, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, okay, well, let's just get into let's get into like the Christian and then our reformed say our reformed context within our school community that we exist in, um, and that you've kind of been teaching in and around. And um, so, I guess that kind of touches on it. Like we're talking about applying our worldview to 
the education, but let's say, let's get into it a little deeper. Like how, maybe just examples if, I don't know if you can give us something like how, how do you do that say in, in a subject? I mean, we talked about math, but, um, you're trying to get at like, like difference between, um, so we went from education at large yeah, and then we went to education. Okay. There's no neutral state. Then we have Christian education different, right? The worldview is at play. Um, now to get more specific reformed education, sure, um, sure, what are yeah. the differences Let's, between yeah. a, ref, a reformed education versus just a general Christian education? Yeah, we can go there too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking at it in terms of globally, and again, someone that, that, you know, almost be nice to have someone sit beside me that's taught in you know, a, a, um, a general Christian school or interdenominational yeah. Christian school. Because yeah. uh, right now I'm talking from, from my context. Uh, and, you know, I have had a lot of interaction with um, principals and teachers from interdenominational schools. And the work they do is amazing. Uh, it really is. They're, they're passionate people and they, uh, the schools they have set up have a real purpose uh, to them. And they deliver on that purpose well. And that, but if you're talking about where the difference is, actually, it's 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 an interesting difference, and it, it lies actually in the purpose. You would have in a, in its own in a classroom, um, you will see some differences, I think, but in the purpose of the school, you'll see a lot more. So I'll give you an example. So if I'm looking at sending my kid to uh, our local Christian school, um, my child will be in the, inside that school and. The, you know, the Lord will be upheld and they'll teach Christian principles. Uh, but they do that because um, you are called to grow up to be a Christian. Uh, and so they will, they're, they're always looking at it in terms of, um, you know, you have to do this because, you know, um, if you love Christ, then this is how Christians act. And that's, you know, sweeping generalization. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go for, to, I'll, I'll be fair. I'll give a reformed Christian education, at least in how we do it in, in the Canadian Reform School, so I'm not, maybe I'm going one level more specific than sure. than you are. That's you're fine. thinking. No, I think that's. I think that's. But fair. if I look at it from from the the way our Canadian Reformed schools view the child, they're there because the Lord has called them. So at their baptism, right from the get go, um, the Lord has said, "You are mine." And so when I'm talking with a child about, you know, how to be and how to, you know, why they need to work, they don't work that way because, um, let me me phrase that positively. They work because they are thankful for the promises and the gifts that the Lord has given them. They're not working for some future commitment they're going to make down the road. Right. So they're not, they're not working to prove that they are Christian. They're working out of thankfulness for the fact that the God has called them. And, it seems subtle, but it's it's a, actually a, a it's a you talk about worldview. It's a major shift in in even how you then work with students. Is I have a child who's who you know shows by his walk of life that um, that you know the, the values that we uphold as Christian community are not very important to that to him. Then I will go and I will say, listen, you are you know the Lord has called you. You you, you have a duty to respond to this promise that's been given you. Uh, and that's a very powerful argument. 
because it's not a choice that they make. It's not a, it's not something that they're, you know, that they are, you know, they, we hope that they respond to this, to this Christian call. And we sent them to the school to, to, to learn about this Christian call that they have. Rather, they, they were sent to the school because their parents felt that this was the place where um, the vows that they took at baptism uh, have the greatest impact, right? They vowed to raise their child in the fear of the Lord to the best of their ability. And by choosing the, the, the school system that we have, they're saying this school system is part of the best of my ability, at least the, in the academic education of the child. I've chosen this school to be the best of my ability. And right, right. that in itself gives, uh, gives our schools this, you know, an impetus to, to do well, because it's not just, we're not, we're not trying, we're not doing this because, you know, a successful school, the way I, I, I see it is not growing membership, right? I don't, I don't think, you know, we're successful if, you know, we went from 400 students to 600 students, man, we are successful in these right. five years. That's not success to us because we're right. not looking right. to, we're not looking to grow. We're looking to respond. And so for me, a successful school is one that responds to that promise that the parents made when their child was born. And we work with them hand in hand to be the best of their ability in the academic education right. that that we provide in their school. It's not even it's not my school. It's not it's not a board school. It's it's a the parents' school. Mm-hmm. And that's why right, right. you know that's how our system is different. And so that means that's how it's different from you know Reformed Christian schools and different from a um, interdenominational school. And I'll have uh, in Guido, we're, we're we're fairly urban there, so I'll have especially in August uh, people walking in all the time asking if they can. Um, you know, enroll their, their child there because they, they want their child to have a Christian education and they're, they're curious about it. And for, you know, for a while there, I was a little bit embarrassed when that happened because I have to say no. Yeah. Uh, except I, I thought about it. And so I, I don't say no anymore. I actually say, absolutely, we you are welcome to enroll your child. But for our school, it starts actually in the church. We don't, um, we don't, have anybody enrolled here that doesn't actually belong to our church so you know one of the first things you, you should do is is go visit the church next door cornerstone and you know be there on a sunday see if this is the place where you're going to feel comfortable if this is the community that you're going to feel comfortable in because our schools are set up to support these communities so if not you know there's a there's an excellent christian high school down the road that's probably a really good fit for you right and then and i point them toward the the interdenominational school because that's what they do. Right. Right. We do reform Christian education, this covenantal model where parents uh, are in the driving seat and we respond to the parents' promises for their children. And the interdenominational school works with, you know, providing a, a, a Christian message in a, in a Christian environment for right. people of multiple denominations. That's not what we do. Right. So how do, how do you think that, I hate the word evolved, but how do you think that evolved in our... Um, in our our community because I mean we obviously I mean it'd, <laughs> it'd be hard for anybody I think to articulate it that well but and it's still hard for me to wrap my head completely around the the subtle like the nuanced differences but although it's it's really a, a viewpoint difference but if you 
yeah, I don't know if you could touch on like how do you, how did we get to a point where we were say we said this is about our baptismal um, obligation, and then how did other people decide? Let's teach every kid who wants a Christian education in a way that is say under the blanket of even reformed, even reformed, but Christian. Yeah. So again, um, we need the, we need the other guy sitting beside me. We actually now need two people. Cause you have to have <laughs> need a bigger room. Yeah. You need a bigger room. Cause you need the, you need the, the person that's that, that really is the, the, uh, can tell the story of the interdenominational schools. What we used to be OACS schools. Now they're advanced schools, right? Which, which at least in Ontario, that's the bulk of the interdenominational schools that we, that we work with anyways, that we know, uh, and their history is very much, um, one where they started their schools and it was never strictly denominational, um, but it was practically denominational. So they've always had this, this idea of anybody that's Christian that wants to enroll in their schools is able to, but practically it was very much a a Christian reformed school. Right, right, right. Um, and so as the, the reformed church changed and, um, the, the, the view on, on, on Christian education changed um, and people moved to different areas, enrollment went down. So as a, suddenly you have this, this decision you need to make, do we shut our schools because they're not economically viable anymore? Or do we allow and actually promote um, other denominations to come in? And that's typically the road that they went down. And that's, it was always part of their model it was not something that they didn't they didn't turn their back on their model just the practically right and this is the right. way that it's been explained to me so again someone will listen to this and say oh they'll write in yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's and that's we'll and that's good feedback. because that means people are actually listening and that's, yeah that's good that's fantastic that's what we want. someone yeah. can tell the story much better um, but i think that that's that in fairness that is exactly what happened it's it's something that they that um, evolved over time uh, and I wouldn't say that they lost sight of what they were doing. They simply, they, they continued they in that realm site. and they, and they, they, they said, no, it's more important for us to survive right. uh, as a school to, to, to teach um, in a, in a, in a Christian manner, to have a Christian school. And, and we changed the flavor now. Maybe it's more missional. Maybe it's more um, uh, less, you know, you, you, you have to teach things differently because not everybody has the same, um, background background right so there are certain things that you used to spend a lot of time on you don't spend a lot of time on anymore Mm -hmm. uh one of the um if i think even one of our schools uh they had a family asked them they were actually a mennonite family uh ask if they could join and it was within their you know it was within their bylaws it it was allowed so they joined and then they started talking you know the, the the grade three church history curriculum talks about what happens in a church building uh, and the minister gets up and he talks about liturgy because right. that's the program they use. Right. This child has only ever been in a home church, never actually been in a church building. Hmm. And so the, the, it just changed the f- flavor. It didn't make it worse. It just changed the flavor because now suddenly you have this, this other perspective uh, right. in the classroom and that other perspective um, because the teacher was a, the teacher was a, um, a caring teacher and a sensitive teacher. They didn't want to le- let this child be left out. It just, it changed the flavor of that lesson. Right. And you got to imagine that would multiply as you get into like yeah. high school grades. And, and, and if you would, you know, it wasn't just one student, but it was, it was a, a yeah. variety of views and views yeah. to the point where you have, um, where, because there's such a, a, a difference in, even in, in, um, you know, the view on, mm. on 
um, uh, lost the word on how we view marriage and and how we view uh, same-sex attraction and we how we view you know because there's such a varied view of that inside the Christian community and you don't and if you're open to all Christians then you know schools have had to been very either been very open and say you know what we won't we don't condemn anyone um, or they have to be very specific inside their policy and say okay this is what we mm-hmm, teach and right. if you send your children here this is what we will um, this is the worldview that we will promote and if it doesn't work for you well then it doesn't yeah. work for you I think from like a from a the fundamental level I guess you you end up with a lot more decisions I guess to make from year to year on on those kind of issues than if you had to take a model like that whereas an, an issue will present itself and you almost have to deal with it at like a constitutional level as opposed to you know we have you know our constitutions I would say more set maybe yeah it's 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 kind of interesting if you look at the, um, even if you look at the membership of our schools and who's allowed to be a member, um, it's very restrictive in terms of, you know, you have to be a member of the Canadian Reformed Church or one of our sister churches. So in this area, it's URC and in other areas is different, um, perhaps. But uh, we don't, we ask, are you a member? But what's interesting, we don't ask, are you a member of good standing? Um, because that's the church's issue. Right, so what we're concerned about is the fact that you are a member of the Canadian Reformed Churches, or you are a C Church, or sister church of some sort, um, and that's as involved as we get. But it also means that decisions like you know how to teach about um, lifestyle issues uh, is also not up to us. We follow the churches, uh, and that's that's our role. So we are there because we're there um, as you know as support for the parents um, who belong to a church that the school is, is, is on the bottom uh, there. Like we, we, we don't, I, I suppose perhaps we do in some ways, but um, our purpose is not to lead. Our purpose is not to direct right. our purpose. It's is an not institution to, for the use, not that's right. We are there to support to serve right as in, in one area. Why do we sing? Why do we sing Psalms um, generally from the book of praise inside our elementary schools? Right. Why do we, why is our memory work based on, on the book of praise? Well, it's because our schools are there to support the Canadian Reformed churches. Right. And that's the, historically that's been mm-hmm. what's, what's there now. Are there pressures? Yes, there are pressures to, to, to change things. And you, um, you know, I talked a little bit about the, the, the generational aspect of it. And I think that there are some interesting Pressure is being placed on our schools, uh, and it comes from um, the, the the third and fourth generation going through those schools. Right. Yeah, maybe we won't. What, yeah, we could talk about that else? too. I mean, that's somewhere well, I could. Yeah, we could talk about that for an hour. So. We could definitely go into that. Well, yeah. So basically, I just want to clarify. So that was an awesome explanation. So it kind of comes down to, all right, uh, when we're talking about Christian versus Reformed education, uh, these interdenominational schools. You have parental involvement in both, but the parental involvement in the reform schools is parental involvement um, with the goal in mind that uh, these kids are born into the covenant and we would like them to to respond to the promises that God has given them. Whereas interdenominationally, I guess you're just hoping to, I want my child to have a, a Christian education, to be brought up in the faith and learning about these things from a faith perspective as opposed to uh, a different worldview, like we talked about before, right? There's nothing neutral. Um, 
Yeah. So I guess that's is that would that be a fair summary of, of what you just said there? Yeah, you're amazing. You're so short. I took, I took like ten minutes. To yeah, well, yeah, it's a complicated topic. <laughs> it. So yeah, yeah. But you didn't get to listen to yourself say it yeah. all, and then, and then kind of formulate it all. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, okay. So you mentioned those pressures to open coming from yeah, like third, fourth generation. Um, and yeah, you talked about how you sometimes you used to say no, now you say yes, but go talk to the church first. Um, yeah, I guess those those pressures to open. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on kind of why that's coming up? Uh, do you think it's more of a cultural thing? What do you think? Because I'm assuming you've had lots of people maybe talk to you about this, given your position as the principal there. Um, you know, what's your view on that? Why do you think people are bringing that up? And, is, that, is that more like a, a generational thing where, um, say, people our age, kids of, what would you call it, second generation? Are you second generation? Third generation? So my dad... Do was, they view the education different? Like, Yeah, so if you're looking at, in terms of leaders in the schools, so my grandfather was the, kind of the, in, in that institutional era, so right? So my call dad... first edu- Yeah. So my so dad would be second, yeah. I would be third, right. and then, so... My kids, I mean, my oldest is 22, so not that far away from Shit. where you guys are. You're, you're the fourth, um, the fourth generation of leaders coming in, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and so again, it's 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 a little bit about culture um, and the Canadian form culture and education. You know, growing up, it's you know, you get your first paycheck, and I think it's still pretty common practice that you take you know a portion set aside for the church, a portion set aside for the school, a portion set aside for education. And then you might have like three cents left to spend it yourself. But, you know, you, you first, you know, the church and then the school and then um, and then everything else kind of including your groceries uh, falls behind. And that's as become more affluent. Uh, the pressures to do that, I think, are less uh, just and it sounds kind of funny. The more money you have, the less likely you are to actually you know, strictly set the, those things aside because you figure, well, there'll always there'll be money for that later on when I, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I get there because it's this never ending flow. Whereas, you know, we, we, if I think about my grandfather, they're in that generation, the stories I hear from that generation about uh, the things that, that they did to make sure the schools were able to happen. Yeah. Um, Immensely sacrificial, I guess. Yeah. yeah though I don't like the, I, I guess, it's, it's, it's sacrificial is a good way to say it, but I think it's a sacrifice of thankfulness. Right. No, rather than, yeah, a, rather than a, you know, a sacrifice of, oh, man, I don't want to do this, but, right. but I sorry think kids, no yeah. milk today. <laughs> but uh, I think that's all, all sacrifices really should be. Right. If you're sacrificing something for the future. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you're devoting your the, this income for something that you feel is very, very important to you. Right. Uh, that's what they're doing. Uh, so it's it's... In a sense, it's kind of like saving for that car that you've always wanted. And you, you know, you're not, you're going to do this, and you're not going to do that, and you're not going to do that because I'm saving for my mortgage or I'm saving for my car. Well, that was the view they had on in terms of school. Sorry, we're not going to do this because the school comes first, and that they need this. Uh, and that's as we become more affluent, that need changes, and so the priorities change. And that's just, I think, just normal. It's normal human behavior. Uh, and how do you know that? Well, we're not that different from the Israel of the Old Testament. And I, and I love the, I love, you know, the Old Testament is, is a wonderful place to look at um, how do cultures and how do people shift. Uh, so if you think about even the, the, the Exodus and you have this, this kind of first generation that left Egypt, uh, well, they didn't even get a generation down before, you know, they, they forgot about all the hardships 
and they, they, they said, no, Lord, like, we don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to give all this, all this, you know, the promised land, psh, you know, we used to get free fish in Egypt. Yeah. Uh, like, a couple, couple of melons. Couple, like, come like, on, man. And now we get this manna. This manna yeah. is gross. You know, this yeah. stuff that falls off the, out of the sky and we just pick it up. But no, we'd rather have, you know, so, and that, I look at that and I think that's me. Like that's, that's, that's who I am. That's how I respond to uh, the gifts that I get used to. That's right. Yeah, that's amazing. Because, yeah, they were actually also in Egypt for 400 years, which is what, like, it's got to be six, seven generations. Yeah. It's eight. Like, so it's like so entrenched that slavery and then they come out and it's less than one. So it's like just unbelievable transformation in yeah. their thought, right? Going from thankfulness to, nah, nah. Yeah. Which is like, and then the same thing happens, you know, once they're in the promised land. So that first, that generation, they used to be slaves, they all die. Um, and their kids come in and then they have this, these wonderful sweeping victories. Uh, and then I don't even think they get one Sabbath year in and before they, they you know, they're chasing after the idols and they're, 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 they're being like all the nations around them. And that's, I think, again, if we look at, at who we are as Christian people, uh, we're so nervous about standing alone um, in, in, in so many ways and so many things. We don't want to, we don't want to stand alone and our schools do stand alone. We you know, there's very, I'm not sure there's any system in North America that's quite like ours anymore. Used to be much more because of the, the um, but the way things have, have transformed, there's no system like ours anymore. Right. And so parents are looking at that and they're also seeing really good things happening in, in other schools. And they're wondering, well, why can't we uh, have that? And I think right. those, that's an excellent question. Like really, really good question. Um, but the the other thing that we're, that gets lost in some of those ways is the purpose of the school, and that is to be um, to help to assist parents in training up their children in the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's something that's lost with, with our generation. I guess like I mean, we don't have kids. Well, I have kids, but um, but not in a school yet. And I haven't from an academic perspective, I have not had to think about that as much as you know, say my parents had to. And so I guess we're kind of in danger of losing that that view where where i might have an opinion like well yeah look at look at that other school you know look at the you know say the course selection or look at the you know look who they hired and and look how amazing their curriculums are and and things like that um i guess we're in danger of doing doing that and not looking to the you know the first principles of why we're you know gonna pick the school that we pick yeah but that could just be a size thing too right over time like we get we get larger you know there's more people moving out uh at least in this specific context more people moving out to the dumb right, way right. that sort of thing right so we're becoming more spread out not that we weren't super spread out before but it's i think it's increasing so um i think that's part of it too for sure yeah right and it, yeah it'll it, it could get better but i guess you don't want to be thinking let's decide about this education based on things like that. Right. But we don't want me to go back to like the beginning of this whole discussion was like, you know, you got a worldview and, and where's that coming from? So, but, it, but in all fairness, I think that I personally, I think that the challenge that's coming up from the fourth generation in terms of, um, you know, when, when my, my grandfather wanted to educate my dad, although my dad was, my dad actually went through just before John Calvin school and Smithville opened up. Um, so he never went or in, uh, there but um he sent his other kids there because it was it was reformed and that was the only thing that they really cared about 
So it wasn't, you know, will the kid come out of the school reading? We don't care. It's reform. And that, that's a gross overstatement. And some of the old person's not going to like me. Uh, but but that was the, the key thing with, with hiring teachers was, you know, are they are they reformed? Uh, right. the key? And I think that the, the younger generation is saying, um, are they skilled? Are, you know, you know, is my child going to come through um, and be prepared for a university or a vocation of some sort? And are they going to be able to read well? Are they going to be able to think well? Are they going to be, are they going to be um, able to listen for understanding, uh, be open-minded, yeah. and those types of things? And that's a, and that's where I think if you look at um, an interdenominational school that has to work with all these different understandings of scripture and do it well, well, they're going to be actually quite skilled at listening for understanding, for, for being kind and generous with when people's opinions differ on certain matters. Right. Whereas if you are coming at it from, from one denomination, then you're much more likely to be, this is the way, this, this is the only truth. And there's no, there's, there's no way of bending it. It's like the difference between, you know, if you have, uh, the whole floors and the Vanderwoods get together, um, they don't know each other very well. And so they're very careful uh, in, in, in the conversation that they have. But if you have only the Holtzwoods or only the Vanderwoods or only the Heemskers, it's terrible. Um, then, then suddenly, you know, there's, you know, there's no holes barred. and You're not as kind as you would be. Right. And, and that also then has an impact on, on your school, the way your membership meetings run and what people are willing to say to each other and how they react to each other. Because familiarity breeds um, openness, but not uh, kind of a harsh openness. Right. Right. right? Mm -hmm. like, it's you're willing to say whatever you're overly blunt, overly blunt. Yeah. yeah. Because you'll understand what I'm saying. You know, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Right. And that's, and that's what happens. And so you're, you, but that does then, that's my point. I look at the, the quality of conversation that can happen in a spot where you need to be open and you need to listen for understanding. And I think that is something that in our schools, we also need to um, make sure that we're, we are good at because I think that's one of the things that our, especially the younger generation of parents are looking for. And so I look at it in, in a way to, to drive us forward to be better. But I also think that there's a, there's a real beauty to having a school where there's one, you know, there's agreement on doctrine and life. And I think that what we need then to do in order to, in order to be the best of parents ability for helping them with the academic portion of their child's life is to blend those two, right? To say that there is a truth, there is, there is a, is a, um, a doctrinally sound way of understanding the Lord and who he is in our lives. And it, that impacts everything that we do. And we need to make sure that we listen with understanding to other people, uh, even inside our own community, to other people that have a different understanding of of what church looks like, or what you know, you know how how to live their lives, and, and the the brokenness in families that that's coming more and more now. So we have a real challenge to not lose that thing that sets us apart, um, but also to to gain um, a willingness to to see that yes, there is there is more. Um, to this uh, life that we live in, this 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 community that we've built, and we really built a, right. a strong community, uh, and that we need to to also be listening. Right. Yeah. For sure. 
You got anything else to add to that? Maybe before we, that segues really good into mission drift and then, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. I would just be touching on what you said there. Like it's, it seems to me that we need to, it's a tricky thing to do, but we need to strike that balance between, all right, like we, we have reformed education. Uh, we have a lot of parental involvement with uh, the goal of the child responding to the promises made of baptism in mind. Um, so on the one hand, it's a very good system in terms of it's it keeps its uh, it stays with its foundational goals and it keeps it keeps like almost purity might be too strong of a word but like the system stays in place it's good at making sure the system stays um, but then adapting to change is where it's it has a tougher time so uh, there seems to be a push for a bit more change like you said getting getting those uh, different options for, for the kids. And you, you mentioned this tie to like, oh, they have this program here or that program here. And then you also have the push to open it up to more people too. So it seems to be kind of a two, two demands maybe, I guess, like improve the education options. And then also... And quality, yeah. Quality like goes depth, along with that. Depth and breadth, I guess. Yeah, and then also uh, try to expand it so we get more kids in because people still think quite highly of the school at large right otherwise you wouldn't want kids to go there so yeah to bridge that gap and and to not drift from the mission maybe you can go into that if you want but that's that's a challenge for sure yeah that brings up all sorts of questions he just summarizes things so well (laughs) but uh it's that listening for understanding yeah right yeah Yeah. which is good i don't always do that Um, me neither (laughs) i I listen to respond yeah that's it well i was like can i talk now (laughs) so i was just thinking do you do you have any idea where that where that came from? Just maybe like from an educational standpoint, like maybe not quite from like our culture, but I'm just thinking like the the drive and the need for say like the highest education there is, because um, I, I think there there's a, there's kind of a, I, I feel like there's kind of a tendency to head back toward um, say some of those vocational um, roles because those seem to be very um, undervalued in our society. And I think that a lot of people see that and they're, you know, they're interested in that. Um, whereas opposed to like the academic field seem to be getting. So when you're talking vocational, you're talking more like trades, right? That, right. That aspect of it. Right. Or, or even, yeah. And like not, not valuing those academic fields, like even just literacy, like, why do I need to know how to do this? I don't need to know how to read. Like, yeah. Or, or you know, like there's there maybe, seems to be a tendency. Maybe, maybe not, not that far. Maybe not yeah. that far, but like well, that no, seems some to be like why would I ever read? Like right, right. This book? I, I've never read a book yeah. But yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah, but if your dad's a farmer or if your dad's an electrician, and you're like, well, I can put wires together and I can make a, a living doing it, and I love it. Yeah. It's like why do I need to come and learn math when I only you know, I know the math that I need to know, and that's it. So I'm just curious, like maybe there, maybe that's too broad, but I don't know. Is there some kind of um some kind of driving force behind that change in people's minds between say second and third generation and the fourth generation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you, if you look at again, so our, we're talking from our community and I am, like I said, third generation in that community. So I'm only, you know, I'm talking with as much authority as I have, which is none. <laughs> that um, means we have less. <laughs> oh, crap. We're lower down the totem pole. now. <laughs> we're, we're hosting this thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man. Right. Yeah, but you called me a subject expert, which... Yeah, see, I, like yeah. See, I told you you'd like that. Yeah, that's true. we got to pump the tires, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, which just gives me way too much pressure. Yeah. Um, 
the people will listen to it and go, no, wait till you not. hear the intro to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but if I think about, if I think about the, the history of the Canadian Reformed churches and the Canadian Reformed schools specifically, um, you know, there, people are arriving here in the fifties. Uh, and what you have to understand, I think is that only a certain type of people arrive like you have to be a certain type of person to leave your your home country and go to a world, like, and yeah. it's it some would say like crazy the yeah. new world, right? So yeah. you, you have to have I don't have a sense of adventure. You got to be you know a bit of stubbornness or, or you know there's there's something I think unique to those that group of people right that's that, not that moved to Canada from the Netherlands at that time right uh, and what happens then is you have a you actually have a um, a small cross section of society that have at least one thing in common, and that's that they cross the pond, right? Right, and they're and they're poor, right? And they're working hard, right? They they have they have this this, and what was interesting was the first thing that they did after checking out the the church communities around was they said, you know what, this we don't fit here. We are going to start our own church because there's some real differences between differences that we feel are important it's because the church split like five years before like it was it was fresh yep uh for them and so and then the second thing they did was well if we have our own school um our own church i mean and then we send our children to the school down here that you know has doctrinal issues that we don't agree with why would we let the school undo what we're trying to what do. we're trying to do with our churches and with our homes so right. they, that was the second thing that they did before some of them were, were you know buying buying houses that i don't think that's the order that we would like well, that's a right. super good point yeah like third right. fourth generation third, yeah. fourth, we're just so privileged and you mentioned that you mentioned the prosperity now that that turns us into say you know some people who don't think and you also said don't study history but i think that's like the only thing we need to do yeah like go and figure out what happened because you know the way you know how we got here and like the values that you know say what are we calling for first generation, second generation, like the values that they held and the, and the reasons why our schools are here and our, even our churches are here. Now you're saying is, is different than what we, or, you know, is something fundamental about it that, you know, a fourth generation person just doesn't have to think about. That's such a fascinating point you brought up there is that you, you take this very specific cross section of the population in Holland, in the Netherlands, and they come across and they're very much, uh, okay, like they're risk takers, they're entrepreneurs, probably a, a good portion of them. Um, they're willing to, uh, yeah, to sacrifice a lot for their future, for their kids. And then you, you go over three, four generations where we are today. Um, now we've kind of just turned it back into, which is no fault of anybody's really. It's just we're part of the population here. So you, well, see, you, you miss that, like that, I want to say almost overachiever sort of like cross-section that you, you started with. Like we're still, I would say, we still are very much a, a can-do kind of community. That was that's part of the problem. Was that they were they yeah. weren't well off, so they worked really hard, and now we're well off, so shouldn't have worked that hard. Yeah, that's, that's part of it too. But it's even just like the the psychology, so prosperity, like the, yeah. the mindset of the people, right? Right. Like that's fascinating. It turns into complacency. It it does, it, but it also mm-hmm. means that as schools, and that's part of it too. So when you're you're, you're you know setting up a, a church. Uh, you just need a roof over your head, over your head, like, you know, it doesn't matter what the benches are like. You know, we'll yeah. make them ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> out of marine plywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wonderfully comfortable those benches were for sleeping. But the, um, 
you know, you, you have this, this, we'll just, we'll make do. Mm-hmm. We'll make do. And if, uh, if we have to go, um, uh, you know, take, uh, tell me a story about the keto where, you know, the hallways are short. The ceilings are very small. And that's because they save money on a, by doing one less course of bricks than they, than they were. Right. Because right. it's good enough. You know, how high do you need it? We're only six foot four. Like, as long as it's six foot we're five. Six foot we're yeah, like yeah. seven feet. We're like the tallest but, people ever. Oh, like, yeah. But, you know, but, I mean, if you go six, six, you're, you're yeah, good. Yeah, you're I mean, that's an good. inch like, Except for a least. couple people. Make but the they, couple people duck. That's yeah, that's They're right. used to that. Anyway. That's right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just get used to it. it yeah. But, you know, you're looking at this um, part. But I don't think our, if I just look at the church buildings we build now, um, we are looking at them not you know good enough, but we want them to make sure that right. they, we're going to build for to last, yeah. right? We're gonna we're gonna spend the, the the money and we're gonna do it well. Um, we're not gonna put up with substandard equipment, you know. If you yeah. think about the live streaming and stuff that's been going on in the various churches right now, uh, people are putting in you know uh, you know spending thousands on new equipment because they don't want a shoddy looking live stream because suddenly that becomes important. Whereas. Right. Um, if you had a tape recording of it before, you were advanced. That, that's right. Like you, you, you know, you get this the, the tin can with a string line across the road. <laughs> that's uh, live streaming. It's live streaming, right? <laughs> a little fuzzy, but yeah. but your the schools are the same, right? So when they started up the schools, all they were really worried about was, you know, you get a roof over their heads. You know, if you have desks, it's excellent. Uh, if you have enough textbooks, that's a wonderful thing. That's a story they told me about Burlington, where, you know, they didn't they didn't have you know, all the materials that they needed. But it's also because they had, I think, 20 more students show up on the first day than that they were actually actually expecting. Because that's the other interesting bit about our schools is we sit here from this perspective of, well, obviously everybody was everybody wanted it. It's actually not true. There, was, there were, you know, stubborn Dutchman fights over whether or not uh, we're going to have uh, we're going to send our kids to school because there were some families that were very happy in the local Christian school. They already, you know, the kids had made friends. They had good relationships with the, with with their brothers and sisters in in in, in those different churches, and, and they didn't see the need. Whereas other people saw the need and they pushed for it. So there was actually, right. um, if you listen to the the founders, there's there's some animosity. And if you read the minutes, they used to write down like everything uh, with names. Really? Uh, so if you Just if you want some fascinating, you know, if you want some fascinating transcription. Yeah. Go back to, go back to you know the old minutes where uh, they you know they got right upset with each other uh, and and um, because they felt they're being pushed they're being pressured uh, so we look at it now and think everybody was on board but it was not the case and that's what happened right. in in the Burlington school where um, there was a lot of campaigning going on at the church picnic on Labor Day and so. These families were convinced the day before the school started that, okay, fine, we'll go, we'll send. Wow. Uh, and, and they sent. And so the teachers were like, uh, we weren't expecting all these people. So, you know, really? there's wow. that, that whole, you know, the, the struggle has always kind of been there. But now I think the struggle is not just about roofs, but it's about programming. Right. Uh, and I think it's, it's not a bad thing either because we, Again, it goes back to this: the, our purpose. If we're there to be the best of parents' ability in raising their child in the fear of the Lord, that means that we have to be the best, and that means we need quality teachers. It means we need, you know, excellent programs. Even if it's not every program, what we do has to be well done, right? Uh, and it and and we have to really show that love and passion for 
you know, driving. And that's why, you know, if you're looking at it, kind of the history of the school, um, it was reading, writing, arithmetic, and then it was kind of, and it, well, Bible, of course, is always there. Uh, and then it's Bible, reading, writing, arithmetic, um, phys ed. Uh, and then it's, you know, Bible, reading, writing, arithmetic, phys ed. And now we're, we're into sciences. And then it's Science. Bible, reading, r- you know, writing, arithmetic, phys ed, sciences, oh, um, music. Yeah. So in art, the art trades. and then, so yeah. as it, uh, and if I just looking at, at kind of Guido's history, I, I see kind of the phases and every time, you know, they, they get these things and they do them well, then they're always looking for kind of the next thing. And now we're into the trades, right? Where we, we have a full-time shop teacher for the first time. Uh, and that's because yeah. the community, the parents who, who push these things said, no, this is, this is what we see as important. And if you were to ask, you know, to, um, when they first started the schools, you know, will we support a full-time shop teacher? No, no, no. But now, but now responding to the parents and, and the first and the, the founding fathers are looking at this too and saying, this is wonderful. This right. is a, this is a, a wonderful uh, gift to us uh, for the, for the legacy of the schools that, that the Lord has allowed us to build. Right. Uh, that ties the case. So that ties in really well. Cause, um, you brought, you mentioned a book to me, mission drift. I just pulled it up and, um, I thought I should mention the authors, Peter Greer and Chris Horst, who I listened to this. Well, I listened to it on Audible because I said, no, I'm not a, I'm not a reader, but yeah. I'm an Audible kind of guy. Um, but so that book outlines the, um, just in, in general, um, what do you call Not-for-profits. Um, they outline how um, not-for-profits uh, mission drifts from the initial constitution or the intentions of the founders, um, so say first generation in our context, um, drifts to kind of more conform to the cultural norms and cultural um, appetites, say, of of the world. So I know we, we've had a brief discussion about it, but see, this kind of ties in well. So we're talking about um, the need for our community to have, say, shop and um, you know, arts and music and, and add these, these programs because, um, do you see that as being driven by the culture and do you see as, um, maybe you just, maybe just dive into that mission drift book in the context that, that you're living in as, as principal and, and, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been a bit since I've read it, uh, though it is definitely a worthwhile read like in terms of, in terms sure. of any organization that's looking in transition that's that's moving from one place to the other to figure out what your core values are and then ch- you can change everything else um but right. you know as soon as you change that core value you're better off shutting down your company and saying we're done with this right. now we're gonna we're gonna move on right so yeah you said like the found well the founders that say the first or second generation is looking back at what say guido has in in their their course selection they say that is amazing great that so that is kind of confirming or affirming that you know right. this is in line with what was intended, and then so I think that's that's a we great thing to, to hear. If we were to say, um, so remembering that that our schools are set up to serve the Canadian Reformed um, population, so initially they were set up to set to serve the Canadian Reformed population. So when the the United Reformed churches kind of grew out of the Christian Reformed churches, already then there was some huge discussion about whether or not we allow the United Reformed children into our school because our schools were set up for um, the Canadian Reformed community, right? right? So so right there, our the challenge was, 
do we let them in or do we not? And so people had to look at it and say, well, what is our core purpose? Is our core purpose to teach Canadian Reformed children or is our, or is our core purpose to um, teach children of a Reformed background? So I've, I've you know, brought that out. So right. you, you, you work on that and you, you, you came to, come to understand that no, you know, um, in order for us not to change the things that we're doing, um, we, can, we can still teach children of a Reformed Christian background and not really change very much with the exception of, you know, some Psalms uh, that we have to do. But that it does poke at your, at your core purpose. Uh, and then if you were to say, okay, so what about, so we can, um, United Formed uh, people have been a real blessing to uh, our schools and to our teaching groups and, and really, you know, um, have a sense of, of, of love and, and passion for the schools inside those communities. Uh, and we're still able to, teach with that reformed covenantal view, right? Because their children, like our children, are baptized. Their parents have taken the same vow to raise their children in the fear of the Lord. They are, it's an understanding that that your life is a response to that promise, not a, you know, I, I hope to get there one day um, point. And so we're able to continue along. Now, if you say, okay, well, what about opening it up to making it interdenominational? Well, that's where your core purpose, again, that's where you really start to push against that um, that core purpose. And that's why I've come to tell people that, that ask, um, if they can join, and I have no problem saying, you know, absolutely. But we start with our church because our core purpose here is the, is, um, to support the parents of the children inside these, this reformed church community, you know, be right. that Canadian reformed or United reformed, or, you know, there's some other, um, uh, reformed churches, they are free reformed some, uh, right. There's other yep. reformed churches that we, that, that, uh, support us as well. So that way that allows us to maintain our focus on what we do. And that way also allows us to do it well is where we're not going to be everything to everyone. Right. You want right. to have a, you want to have a focus on your purpose so that you can always drive by. Now, the other re reason why it's kind of easy to say that is because there are excellent interdenominational schools out there that you can send people to, right? And and you can say, you know, they, they do excellent work. They're they're you know have no problems sending um, people from different denominations to those schools. But I also right. want then to make sure that I have, um. I have the, the, you know, the, the wherewithal to work with the community so that we can be the best. So that right. we are, we are the choice, right? And, and our community looks at that and says, you know what, the schools that we set up, um, that, that as parents, we are leading as parents, we are, um, working toward building and, and maintaining our top notch places where I have no problem sending my children because I know they're going to come out. Um, well, I know they're going to come out of a system that supports what I teach them at home. Right. Yeah, because it starts with the church. It starts with the church and starts with the home. Like it's yeah. and and all the school is is an extension of church and home. Yeah. Uh, right. And we're subservient to both. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because I think a lot of the push from from our generation is um, is is a missional type type push, right? Which is which is an uh, which is a good goal. Like they want more kids to come to our school because we want to share Christ with them. And we think, look, this is a great way 
to do that. But if you if you take the view that you just espouse that, right? Like it starts with the church, then um, like bring them to church and and start it there, and and the process goes through that way, and that way it's not an it's not an exclusive process in terms of it's very inclusive. Like come to church, come with us, you know, learn about what, who we are, and um, if if you want to join our school, like our school is just like you say, an extension of the church. So I mean that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I think the conviction in in our community, you know, and what we've been just and what we've been talking about and describing is um, is a good one. Do you find that like you're obviously on alert for say what we what they uh, term as mission drift, which is just us following a culture? Is do you think that it's it's more of a problem in say an interdenominational school? That 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 um, would occur. I guess it all depends on on your administration, your community. But is that I'm has not, that in I general seem? I, I can't say like you right. If you, but um, I know you mentioned like so just things like um, um, your view on homosexuality, your view on um, you know all sorts of all sorts of um, say what maybe some would say the the smaller issues um, that maybe some people disagree on in the broader. Um, you say Christian context. Um, I, I just have a feeling that it, it seems that that would be because of the increased number of views in a school like that and a community like that. Um, drift just seems to be more, maybe not. It's going to come back. It's going to come back to the church. Like, like you laid out, right? right. Because it's, uh, like you say, again, the school exists, um, as an extension of the home and the church. And right. it's to serve uh, the parents and the goal of raising their children right. to respond to the promises. Right, but we have, I guess we, I guess, yeah, so I guess we have one church and they, they would have multiple churches where they're trying to tailor a viewpoint across, you know, multiple and it, you know, worldviews almost. And it does, um, it depends on the school, right? There are some schools who, um, who want to be, you know, who look at it and say, okay, we, we're a Christian school. We sing. We 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 you know do devotions and we we um, present the love of Christ. But we're going to keep the kind of lifestyle issues and the rights and wrongs of that up to the individual church. Right. So our purpose is to to have a Christ-centered education, uh, and we can see our way to having Christ-centered education and avoiding all those subjects. I yes, yeah. Like I, I, I guess I would struggle. I'd say yeah. okay. I'm not sure how that happens because of what we talked about before. Where where. You know, doesn't your worldview kind of come out? And if you're if if you are not allowed to um, speak about your convictions, also in terms of you know what the Lord says is right and proper for us, how do you yeah. how do you do that? Well, then you teach you teach the Reformation through economics, right? Yeah, so perhaps. Just, or right. if or you talk about the Reformation as a as a, you know, it's it's not really all that important, right? It's, you know, because we're all Christians. But again, we're we're putting words in people's mouths that that are not here to. To, yeah, no, for sure. For to sure. defend themselves, right? So, but you're looking at this and you're saying, you know, is it possible? There are other schools, I should say, interdenominational schools who have very strict value statements. We're right. saying this is, you know, we are open to all denominations. However, um, no, we're open to all den- denominations and, you know, these are our core values. Right. And our core values on marriage look like this. Our core values on on confessions look like this. Our core value. So they're still interdenominational, yeah. um, but they are they're very much right. um, supporting a set of core values. And then mission drift would would 
kind of say that is that's exactly what you need to do. You need to 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 work always inside those core values. Right. And if your if your student population is declining, um, that's that's you know you've failed, if you will, if you change those core values in order to to, to, to bring increase. To, to even just to influence a certain outcome that you think that that is the measurement of success. That's right. So right, that, where you said growth isn't the success, it's it you know it's the value education. Right. Right. So yeah, and and, and I guess as a caveat because maybe people haven't read the book, many people won't have read the book. The book isn't specifically targeted at a denomination or or nope. a church community. Nope. It's 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 actually more targeted at businesses. Yeah. And and like I mean we chatted about Buck Knives, who's you know they they have Christian principles and they were they were they were built on Christian principles and then they they kept those even I guess that would be a, is that a for profit yeah. then it must be it's for profit oh yeah for sure <laughs> yeah so but yeah. they but they kept their their values and then they don't let that go at the you know expense of or in order to gain say you know higher sales or yeah you know they they just say uh, our first mission is these principles and i guess then and then it doesn't doesn't and I, really and i look at that too in terms of um our schools in terms of our mission statements and um i've been involved in a lot of talk around that but for for my and we we typically have you know um schools that are to assist parents in the reform communities to raise their children to be whatever it happens to be um it's pretty good but i also think that a statement like that is missing the core value um, because our core value here is not to uh, assist parents, but actually is to glorify God. Uh, and so I think in whatever core value you have in the school, you always need to start with your core value, which mm-hmm. comes from the the, the, the the shorter catechism, right? What it's the chief duty of man is to glorify God, right? And serve him. Yeah. And, and so mm-hmm. our schools then, if you start with that, so our purpose is to glorify God as we assist parents in the academic education of their children. Yeah. You suddenly have this, this, this thing, kind of hitting there that you're always going back to. So, um, if we shorten our our Bible classes so that we can get a construction class in, does that glorify God? Like that's your first question: is you know whatever you're whatever you're doing, does that glorify God? Does that decision do we, um, you know, uh, increase tuitions or increase teacher wages? Um, to the point where tuition is inexpensive or it's too expensive for people to go, uh, does that is that a decision that's glorifying God? Uh, and you, yeah, you, it's you to always ball, yeah. look at, at in that sense, uh, and it right. always drives you back to um, our duty here as people, right, in the service of God and, and how we do it and how we. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're running, we're getting pretty close to the end here. I think we got like 10 minutes or yeah, so left. Something like that, yeah. So we could try wrap it up. But, okay, I'm curious. So, so you mentioned um, uh, these interdenominational schools and they'll have a value statement or a statement of values, right? Um, what if, and I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but what if uh, you had our model plus that statement of values? I say our, like the model they have a Guido there. Uh, the statement of values, um, What's to stop a school like Guido from opening its doors to non-reformed kids if you have a statement of values and you agree, hey, like we're not gonna, we're not going back on these. These are our values. 
if you're if you're down with that, if you accept these values, if you sign off, um, fantastic. You can send your kid to our school. What's like? Wh- where's the flaw in that? And do you like? Does that? So, yeah. I look at that as is you've actually. Um, so can you glorify God with that? Yes, you can. Absolutely, yeah, sure. uh, yeah. people do. Um, but it's if the second part of our purpose statement is to assist um, people with Canadian reformed or reformed parents, right? So, are you doing that? And I would say no. You've actually started. You've started not a not a, a bad school, but you've started a different school. As soon as you as soon as you open it up, then suddenly your core purpose, which is to assist parents in a specific church or a yeah. specific you know, um, denominational subset, if you will, um, you're not doing that anymore. You've, you've, you've now shifted, you've now changed. So if, um, you can still, you know, you still glorify God by that, but you have to understand that you've actually started a different school. Okay. So is that Mm -hmm. too narrow of a purpose to have a school on then? Maybe that's a question that some people are asking. I don't think so. Because if you, if, if you look at it, if you look at it like a, um, I don't know, so there's an organization out there that was that was trying to do be kind of everything to everyone, uh, and what they did instead was they said you know it wasn't working. They were like running all over the place trying to be everything to everyone, and so instead they said you know what we're going to do is we're going to have a we're going to have a laser focus. We're going to focus on I don't know. Say we're building windows, right? So you can see, you can put glass in houses, and then you're in windows and you're in doors and you're in mirrors and you're in in lighting and you're right. That's and so our, we're going to put glass in houses, right? But if you suddenly say, no, we're going to put windows in houses. And people say, hey, can you put a mirror in my bathroom? You say, yeah, no, sorry. We're here to do windows. And we're doing windows and we are really, really good at doing windows. You need windows, you come to us. You need mirrors, there's mirrors over there. And that's the way I look at our schools. So our schools have to be really, really good at supporting the parents in the context that we have. Um, because there are other excellent schools that support parents in different contexts. So why would we want to be them? Right? Where we, we need to yeah. focus on on doing what we do uh, for our um, for the Canadian Reformed and United Reformed circles who send their children to our schools, and we need to do that very, very well. And that's mm-hmm. a specific task, and it helps us from running around trying to be everything to everyone. Um, if... If we're in a community where there were where there's no other options, right? We're we're the only Christian school within an hour. I would have a much harder time denying other Christians into our school. But where there are so many other options, right? Good options, mm-hmm. solid options. Yep. Uh, then there's there is no reason why we can't say this is who we are. This is the community that we serve, and then. F- you know, have a, have a laser focus on serving that community to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's like a, I don't think there's a problem with changing your, your constitutional basis for having your school and, and all of your goals, just doing that at the expense of a measurable output, say like having more kids join our school or I don't know how you'd measure it, but being more missional or being more evangelistic in our approach so if you have that as a goal and that drives back to changing your the the reason why your school is set up i think or any organization really 
if if a certain output is is driving you know why you started this thing then it's i think that's just a red flag to say hey maybe we should look at why we started this school to begin with and you know we've been talking about this whole time you know to teach covenant children and you know i mean there's hundreds of things we've we've mentioned about that but yeah for sure i think we're like we're running real tight on time here we're getting about that hour and a half mark but yeah, for sure. maybe to close it off i guess this might be a good way to end it um yeah we, we've thought we've done the gauntlet on education i guess it kind of comes down to for for parents and i guess in this specific context with with guido and not in southern ontario here um to send their kid to a school like guido um that that specifically does reformed education for the glory of God, to aid the parents. Um, if they think, well, look, there's this interdenominational school. Um, they have this charter of values. Um, and I think they have more options for my kid. Um, what reason do they have to send their kid to Guido other than a sense of maybe community loyalty? So, and again, um, I would have a really hard time saying to a parent, you know, this is, you know, you must. Uh, to me, it always goes back to the value took when you when you presented your child, and that was to raise this child in the fear of the Lord to the best of your ability. And um, so, parents will need to make their individual decisions about what that looks like. Right. Uh, and the challenge then comes for us as a school community is to be the best of that ability. And I and I think that we are you know we're getting more and more successful as years go by. Uh, also in our understanding and our you know building quality people and quality programming and, and those things um, and I think that if you know parents will look at that and say well they but they have better you know what's becomes most important is it the the better computers um, or is it the fact that you know what's taught at that school will not undo what is taught in the home now there's a real valuable critique that we have saying that, you know, when I send my kids to Guido, when I send my kids to, to you know, John Calvin, that already happens because we are a community that is, that, you know, we're a broken, sinful community. And there's, you know, are there drugs in the school? Yes. Is there alcohol in the school? Yes. Is there premarital sex in the school? Yes. Um, we know these things. Uh, and to, 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 to deny that in any school, you're just either you got your hair, head buried in the sand or, um, you know, you're just lying yeah. to yourself. Uh, and so it comes down to, again, you know, where, when these things happen, how are they dealt with? What is the, what's the focus? You know, what is the focal point? How are children supported? Uh, if there are things happening inside the school where, um, you know, you don't feel that the school is, is, is promoting what you promote at the home anymore, then you have some, you have a real big decision to make, right? And I think mm -hmm. as parents, you need to make that decision. Uh, and you make that decision prayerfully. It's the same thing with homeschooling. If you, um, you know, for, for myself, I think the only, you know, other than the community, the, the, the reformed community schools, that we, day schools that we put together, the only better way to educate your child is, is homeschooling. Like you, you it, it's something where you as parent, you know, you are responding to this baptismal vow and you're doing it because I want to do this. I'm taking this very seriously. Um, so that is, that's, it's a wonderful opportunity for parents. I also don't want to promote it for very obvious <laughs> reasons, but but I think but I think we really need to understand that that you know the education of children 
is the responsibility of parents. Mm-hmm. It's not education of children is not the responsibility of the school, right? We don't, you know, we we are a tool of the parents to educate, but the responsibility lies with the parents, and that's not something that is culturally prevalent because mm-hmm. our government says no. We the government will take care of your kids. Yeah. We the government mm-hmm. will do this, and we f- we 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 tend to follow that because it's easier to give it to somebody else, right? But the beauty of our system is the fact that it is the parents who are the driving force. And if there are challenges with, and that's the thing. So if, let's say let's say that my son uh, is the dealer of of marijuana at school. All right. What's but I love about that. Well, nothing. But uh, let's say funny sentence there. What I what we'll I do love that about, out. what I do love about that. No, you don't have to cut that out. No. What because what I love about that is the fact that um, that anybody that calls me and says, "Hey, your son is dealing drugs at school," uh, knows that where my my sense of right and wrong is. Right? They know that uh, that you know if I'm a member of if I'm a living member of the church, then I also agree with them that this is not right, and, this, and I'm going to work with them because this is not you know because my son obviously has a problem, mm-hmm. uh, and so you have that that kind of automatic built-in support network where we know each other and we know our background, we know at least where the where a semblance of the common ground is inside our community, and that is the beautiful part of. You know, when things go off the rails, it's it's something that we know that there is a, f- a common basis that we can talk to each other on, and that's something that um, is a strength in our school community, hmm. and also it's challenge because yeah, we so also yeah. know each other very well, right? And we get back to the yeah, yeah, that knowing Heemsker, each other. Am too I well. surprised? Yeah. Am I surprised that Hemsker's dealing drugs, right? Right. Right. Yes, I am surprised. Yes. Very surprised. <laughs> For the record. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, exactly. that's, yeah, I mean, that's a great concluder. I think, it, yeah, a focus on, on the, the parent aspect of it is uh, it's probably a good way to, to wrap this thing up. And you know, I think so, yeah. We, uh, yeah, I think we appreciate you, you know, you coming in and talking to us. And Yeah, appreciate and, the I opportunity. Mean, definitely a lot of food for thought. We'll probably have to have you on again at some point after we digest this all but uh yeah no i appreciate uh the, also the, the the confidence that you had having me as your first guest oh you're easy uh, to talk to appreciate that you know so when we look back on it it'll be all just clips of you so that'll be good yeah that was a good conversation um obviously want to encourage any of the listeners to send in their feedback and any of the thoughts or comments or questions um we plan on doing a, a follow-up episode in two weeks again right and we'll kind of go through some of the stuff we talked about any any of these books we reference, like we referenced a mission drift a lot, whatnot. And, uh, yeah, we'll go through that. Um, so we'll put all the details yeah, in the podcast link and social media and all that stuff. But, uh, sure. I think that kind of takes care of it. It's yeah. pretty much yeah. it. So thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, thank you. Thanks for tuning in folks. And, uh, we'll catch you next time. Keep having good conversations. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. To send us your feedback, email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com, go to our website at realtalkpodcast.ca, or follow us on social media on Facebook or Instagram at Realtalk under the handle Reformed Real Talk if you're searching for us, and leave us your comments or questions there. 
We look forward to your feedback as this is what helps us grow as a community and have real conversations. This show is produced by Lucas Holtfluer and Tyler Vanderwood. The music is provided by Calvin Hutton. And that's it for now, folks. Keep having real conversations. We hope you were informed and inspired by this episode. Till next time. Bye-bye.